Hi, this is Kirk Reed. Bear with me as we need a little compliance disclosure. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's generally not the case with callers we speak with on the show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. After all, we just met. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Callers should check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. At times on this show, we talk about investments and investment performance. Investment returns are not guaranteed and past performance does not guarantee future results. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. My name is Kirk Reed, one of the financial advisors at McNamara Financial. We have offices in Marshfield and Chelmsford, Massachusetts. I'm joined today in the studio by Mr. Peter Stoner of Stoner and Company. We're talking about, also wanted to mention, we'll be having a Medicare seminar or webinar on Thursday, October 20th at 6.30 p.m. via Zoom with Peter Stoner. So if you'd like to join us for that event, you can sign up on our website, which is McNamaraFinancial.com, or you can call our office at 781 834 to, to register. So Peter, again, thanks for being here today. I know you drove all the way down from Wellesley. Actually, I see here it says Wellesley Hills, which sounds even fancier than just Wellesley. Which is why I usually just say Wellesley. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> if you got it, flaunt it, but uh, whatever. Do what, why don't you give out your contact information one more time before I forget? So Peter, if you're just joining us, Peter helps individuals and couples navigate the Medicare maze and figuring out what type of supplemental plans might work best based on an individual's circumstances. And the way he operates is basically he gets compensated by placing somebody with a supplement, but there's no out-of-pocket cost to you, the individual, right. for right. working with Peter. We certainly think it's a no-brainer to work with Peter or somebody like himself that, that works in this in this area. So, Peter, if you want to give out your contact info one more time. Thank you, Kirk. So, my website is stonermedicare.com, and my telephone number is 781-431-7550. Thank you. So when we left off, we were talking about the initial enrollment or election period that people have when they turn 65. It's three months before the month that they turn 65, the month in which they turn 65, and three months thereafter. There's those seven months. Once they've come and gone, that's it. You don't get another initial election period for ever. You're done. Your SOL in the the vernacular. Absolutely. You're You're out of luck. And, and again, I want to add the caveat, do not elect Part B if you continue to work for an employer with more than 19 employees unless Medicare is a better value. Sometimes it is. So, now I was talking about the initial election period. There's a number of different election periods. The next most significant one is called a special election period, a SEP. And SEP occur for a number of reasons. The vast majority of them occur because somebody retires. So they have a special election period. They don't have to wait until their plan is done at work. They can leave work at the end of a given month, leave that coverage, and then begin coverage the first of the following month on Medicare. And in a perfect world, it's a natural dovetail. I run across companies from time to time where as soon as you walk out the door, you lose coverage. They leave on the 17th of the month, they lose coverage on the 17th of the month. So you need to ask that question of HR. Will my coverage 
go until the end of the month or am I done the moment I walk out the door? And if the answer is you're done in the moment you walk out the door, then don't walk out the door. That's right, because Mur- Mur- Murphy's <laughs> Law would apply yeah. and you're going to be in a car accident. Or, Absolutely. Or, or, yeah. Don't walk out the door until the last day of the month. Okay. And sometimes people are a little leery to let HR know that they're leaving. Okay, so you want to play that one by ear, but you definitely want to start the process of getting all your Medicare ducks in a row. So you can start that about 90 days ahead of the date that you plan to transition to Medicare. I have people call me up when they're 64. It's, yeah. what should I do? Yeah. And I tell them, you should call me back in about four months before you turn 64. Yeah. So there are a lot of people who are anxious and then they want to know ahead of time. Well, I think in part of the anxiety is about the, about the penalties they hear, that they hear about. Absolutely. Which is, and there's misconceptions as we've spoken about. Absolutely. And I, and I was going to say just, I don't even know if I can, I can't really give you, I can't advocate for you, Peter. I can't do stuff like that. But I was going to say on a personal level, I know that you helped, you helped my parents actually, right. and which was great. And because he, my dad was recently retiring, he was over 65, but he was employed. So he was right. covered, but you were able to figure out what he needed to do so that he, there was no coverage gap, which is which is critical. Right. And I, yeah, that was great. And they don't live in Massachusetts anymore. That's correct. They're in Arizona. So I think yeah. you even I think you even farmed that out. I did which ultimately, was, which yeah. was nice of you to yeah. do that. I do that. I do that a lot. Yeah. So in anyhow, the the SEP, the special election period, when you leave an employer, you have eight months. So you have an eight month window to transition to Medicare. Once you exceed that eight months, it hits the fan. So you don't ever want to exceed eight months. And I find that people occasionally do exceed that eight-month window because they're on COBRA. They're usually on COBRA because they have a younger spouse. So they want to continue to cover their younger spouse. But what they don't realize is that they are now staying on a plan that the government does not view as an employer group plan longer than eight months so they exceed that special election period and now they've opened up the window to penalties Mm. now or the real penalties now the real penalties start so and i want to reiterate that because the only time that i've ever come across people who go more than the eight months invariably it is because of cobra and usually they're really smart. The first one that I ran across that did that was a doctor, a medical doctor. The second one was an engineer. And the third one was a CPA. And I'm thinking, yikes. Yeah. They didn't realize that COBRA was not considered employer group coverage. And why would you? It's the same coverage you had. Yes, you're incurring usually 102% of the premium, but it's the exact same coverage from the exact same company. So people think, well, I'm still getting it through my employer. They're not. But it's not recognized, it's not from, recognized. from the government as a... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's, yeah. So COBRA is, is the thing that you particularly want to pay attention to. Now, let's say you've used up your initial election period. And then you retired and no, but you used up your special election period because you went longer than eight months. Now the government is going to give you another opportunity, but it's during the general enrollment period. And virtually anyone who's in the general enrollment period is going to be penalized because it means they missed those two initial enrollment periods. It starts January 1st every year and goes to March 31st. And it used to be that when you enroll during that time, they would make you effective 
the 1st of July. So they're making you effective even later. They stopped doing that for 2023. It's my understanding that they will let you enroll for the first of the following month. So what that means is if you enroll in January during the general enrollment period, you won't have to wait till July, but you will have to wait till the first of February because that's the first of the following month. So just hunker down, stay in your house, don't do anything. Don't dangerous. do anything. Yeah. Uh, cover yourself in pillows, <laughs> shrink wrap, get whatever. Some, get some air purifiers. Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't it's, go outside. It's a scary time. Yeah. So when you turn sixty-five, you have four options when it comes to health insurance. First option is you can stay on your employer group plan, and that's clearly what most people do. They stay on their employer group plan. They decline Part B. This is especially true of employers with 20 or more employees. So if you've got 19 or less, then Medicare becomes primary for you. You do need to elect Medicare. If you work for a small employer, if you're self-employed, you do need to elect Medicare. And that can generate problems sometimes too, because sometimes they'll be on a commercial health plan. They'll be older than 65, something will happen, and the carrier will say, you were supposed to be on Medicare. We're not going to cover that. So I've seen that a few times. Mm -hmm. So you need to be careful. If you work for a small employer, you definitely want to go on Medicare. And just, Peter, just to back up for a second, you mentioned something about option number one is about staying on, staying on the employer insurance, Mm -hmm. assuming there's 20 or more employees. And you and you mentioned something about declining part B, but that's not an active Decline. That's that's you don't have to do anything to decline it. You don't have to do anything. Right. That's but, just by not accepting but, it. Yeah. Yes, but sometimes people, in calling Social Security in the discussion, they don't actively decline Part B, and they wind up with it. Okay. So I always advise people decline it. Okay. Make sure everybody understands. I do not want Part. Thank B you for the clarification at, at this time. Yep. So the other, the second option is people take A and B of Medicare. So with just A and B of Medicare, you have health insurance. But remember those deductibles I talked about. Remember coinsurance. And I actually may have left that piece out now that it's occurring to me. But Part B has that deductible, albeit a small one, of something under $225 for next year. The big cost under Part B is that you're responsible for 80% of the charges. So if you have a surgeon's fee, for example, of $25,000, if you're responsible for 20%, you're responsible for $5,000. And I use that example because that happened to me when I was 55. Now I was 55, I was not on Medicare. I was on a commercial health plan, it was fully covered. But subsequently years later, I thought back, oh my goodness, if I was on just A and B of Medicare, that $25,000 surgeon fee would cost me personally $5,000. So that's a big exposure. So when I find somebody that just has A and B of Medicare, I find that troubling because- I do too. Yeah, that's a huge risk. Typically the only people that I find that do that are veterans and they have access to the V. Oftentimes when you just have A and B of Medicare, you can also take part D to cover your prescription coverage. A lot of veterans get their prescription coverage at the VA. If you are a veteran and you have access to the VA, take that access. And I advise that because invariably you're gonna find your prescriptions are less expensive when you get them at the VA than they are if you get them on Part B, Part D rather, as in David of Medicare. Okay. 
Now, the third option is you can go on a Medicare Advantage plan. So Medicare Advantage plan, now Kirk has been talking about, I, I advocate supplement coverage. And here we need to make the distinction. There's a very big distinction between a Medicare Advantage plan, which I'm mentioning right now, and a Medicare supplement plan, which I'm gonna mention in a moment. But anyhow, Medicare Advantage plan is also called Medicare Part C. A lot of times people will ask me, what about Medicare Part C? Medicare Part C is a special plan unto itself. It's a Medicare Advantage plan. It's administered by private insurance companies that have a contract with the federal government and can include medical and prescription coverage into one plan. Now, these plans all have a contract with the federal government. So they're paid by the federal government in what's called a capitated basis. So the federal government pays these plans so much money every month, take care of all their members. So essentially the federal government is saying, we're not responsible for this person's Medicare coverage anymore, and we're not gonna take their bills, but the Medicare Advantage plan with whom we have the contract will take those bills. And the government pays them something in excess of $900 per member per month. So that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's why you see Joe Namath on TV, by the way. Yeah. If they're being paid a lot of money, that means if they manage that money well, they make a, some really healthy profit. They can make, yeah, a spread there, yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay. So the other option is a Medicare supplement plan. That's also called a Medigap plan because it fills in the gaps left by Medicare. You can get a Medicare supplement plan as part of a retiree coverage through an employer that includes prescriptions, but you cannot get a supplement plan on the individual market that includes prescriptions. So on those types of plans, you have to take a separate, they call it a standalone Part D plan to cover their prescriptions. In Massachusetts, this year, there's 27 plans available for Part D, so it gets confusing. And that's really the first thing that we do, typically, is to analyze somebody's prescriptions because we want to be able to tell them, listen, your prescriptions are going to be expensive under Medicare, or you're in luck that they're not so bad. So in any event, that's one of the first things that we do. Can I, I had a question about, so all right, so we talked about, so there's A, B, quote unquote, C, D, and then supplement, right? So these are some of the various options. For somebody that's on the Advantage plan, yep. do they have A, B, and C? They have to have, no matter what you do, you have to have A and B. Okay. Okay, that's true of an Advantage plan, it's true of a supplement plan. So on an Advantage plan, they have A, B, and C. A, B, and C. And on a, and usually D, the prescription piece is incorporated within that plan. Win C. So they really have A, B, C. And D is part, yeah. And on a supplement plan, they have to have A and B, and then they have the supplement plan, and then they have D. It is a maze. For it, it prescriptions. Is a maze. It is. It, <laughs> it gets is confusing. Yes. This next piece that I want to talk about is the different options that I just mentioned under Medicare. And in this case, I typically speak about what kind of a plan am I on and why did I take it? And what kind of plan is my wife on and why did we take that for her? Because we both have our own medical needs. We all have our own what brings us peace of mind, et cetera. And I think when I make it personal, people 
tend to understand it better. Yeah, and because you know, oftentimes people can put them put themselves in your shoes. And yeah, it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. It's either I'm more like him or I'm more like her. Yeah. So the thing that you can do with that incurs the highest risk is to just take A and B of Medicare. I mentioned the deductibles. I mentioned the twenty percent. If you just have A and B of Medicare, you're exposed to those deductibles and that what's called coinsurance. That 20% is called coinsurance. Now, it doesn't cost you much. It only costs you typically that Part B deductible, but the exposure to risk is the problem. And we all take on additional risk as we age. So whenever I find somebody that's on A and B of Medicare only, I typically recommend that they take a zero premium no additional money, zero premium Medicare Advantage plan so that they can minimize some of that risk. So that's the next thing down is a Medicare Advantage plan, also called Part C. I mentioned my wife is on Medicare Advantage plan. When she joined Medicare, she took it. Now she's on a PPO. So an HMO is a health maintenance organization, very strict network. PPO is a preferred provider organization less strict network. So you have more access to doctors with a PPO. There are instances where an HMO works great. It's all contained within a certain facility. Let's say uh, Leahy, for example. They've got their specialists all there. It works really well on any others are better served on a PPO, the preferred provider organization, because they may have a specialist that doesn't, for example, we use the Newton Wellesley Hospital. Newton Wellesley Hospital is great in that it is also a partner's facility. So my wife has additional access to partner's facilities, but Dana-Farber, for example, is not a partner's facility. So if my wife contracted cancer and wanted to go to the Dana-Farber, that wouldn't be part of the network. The reason that we chose a Medicare Advantage plan for my wife is at 65 and now later, she takes no prescriptions. So she's healthy. She sees the specialist that most women see, and that's it, and a dermatologist. She sees her PCP maybe three, maybe four times a year, so she incurs a copay. One of the differences with an Advantage plan is that everything, every benefit incurs a copay. The highest copays with those types of plans is always for a hospitalization. So in my wife's case, this year it's $350 a day for a maximum of five days. So they don't charge you after the fifth day if you're in the hospital as a copay. Now, I mentioned that my wife's been on Medicare for a while. She's never been hospitalized. She's never had an emergency visit. So it's worked out really great for her. And I would say relative to what I've paid in premium, through her, we've saved about $20,000. Yeah. So that's not insignificant. Right, sure. That's sure. not insignificant. And frankly, some of the additional benefits that she has access to, for example, dental. I mentioned this earlier. My wife has a $1,000 reimbursement for dental. So my wife doesn't see many doctors. She doesn't have much need for medical services, but she sees the dentist a lot and she has dental issues virtually every year. And that $1,000 reimbursement is found money. So I just think that's wonderful. And you said, that, yeah, that's something that's specific to the Advantage plan. To the Advantage plan. You wouldn't find that in right. a supplement. Yeah, we plan. talked earlier with, that, with the caller, Bill, and he was asking those questions and yeah, yeah. we were going over that. Yeah. A zero premium. So she incurs no cost monthly as a result of her premium. She does incur copayment costs 
because they have co-payments for everything. Again, she doesn't see the doctor much. It's worked out really well for her. Now me, I'm on a supplement plan. I'm on what's known in Massachusetts as the Supplement 1A plan. That's the most popular plan because that's, in my opinion, the best value, which is why I'm on it. Outside of Massachusetts, they call that Plan G. So Massachusetts is one of three exception states. Of course. So when people are reading about Medicare online, typically they're reading about everyone else in the country. And they don't even realize. And they'll call me up and they'll say, I'm interested in Plan G. And I'll ask them, where do you live? Oh, I live in Massachusetts. We don't have Plan G in Massachusetts. But we have the equivalent. And we call it Supplement 1A. So why did I take a supplement plan? You know what, Peter? I think we're about ready for a break here. Okay. Uh, maybe I'm just going gonna, gonna to pause you there for a second. Just wanted to mention the uh, seminar that we have coming up. So if you'd like to join myself and Peter Stoner via Zoom on Thursday, October 20th at 6.30 p.m., you can call the office, 781 781- 834-2010 or you can register online at McNamaraFinancial.com. My name is Kirk Reed, joined today by Peter Stoner. We're talking about Medicare and we'll be revisiting the subject, as I said, during the webinar where you can listen to Peter and ask him some questions after the presentation. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Are you ready to get organized? Let's consolidate those old accounts and make sure your investment strategies are appropriate. This is Kirk Reed, a certified financial planner with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Find out more at McNamaraFinancial.com. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. My name is Kirk Reed, joined today by Peter Stoner. We're talking about Medicare. We were just starting to get into the weeds, so to speak, as far as Part A, Part B, Part C, Part D. Now, you're, And then you're talking about Gs and yeah. Okay. When we left off, we're talking about supplemental plans and you were talking about yourself, how you use, what is it, 1A? That's the plan that you Correct. have? Okay. Yep. Yes. All right. So I think and you said that that's considered the best value, or at least in your opinion? In my opinion. Okay. Yes. As I mentioned on the supplement 1A plan, and it allows me to go to any doctor in the country who accepts Medicare. So that's 96% of all the doctors in Massachusetts. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Okay. Interesting. So virtually all of them, not all of them. A lot of mental health therapists do not take Medicare. Okay. They don't care for their reimbursement, so they don't take it. But virtually anyone else, a cardiologist, oncologist, you name it, they take Medicare. And I took that because I wanted that access to doctors. That's the key. That's the key difference. I wanted access to doctors, not anywhere in the country, but if I had an issue, I wanted to be able to go to any specialist in Boston. That was really my strategy. And the reason for that is I had cancer when I was 55. So when you go through a situation like that, or at least for me, in my mind, I was no longer immortal. You say, oh boy, this is not gonna end well. So in any event, I wanted that access and I was willing to pay extra for it. So I mentioned the supple, the Advantage plan cost my wife zero. My plan costs me $185 a month. And for people who are new to Medicare, it would cost them 15% less than that because the supplement plans get, all give you a 15% discount the first year. Some of them will give you a 10% discount the second year Others will give you a 15% discount the second year. But be that as it may, so it's, I just saying 185, that's like the gross price. Your net price, if you're new, would be less than that. And there are no copays. So now I go to the doctor, emergency room, you name it, 
I don't pay any copays. I am responsible for that deductible that I mentioned earlier, the Part B deductible deductible, of $226 next year. But other than that, I don't incur any charges. I do have to take a separate drug plan. Now, I'm fortunate in that I take two generic tier one prescriptions, so they're inexpensive. So I take the least expensive drug plan on the market. This year, that's $7.40. I'll find out later tonight how much that'll be next year. Okay. I, tr- I tried to find it the yesterday, and I, it was not available yet. But the highest drug plan, the most expensive drug plan on the market this year is $136 a month. So that's a huge range. <clears throat> most people that take relatively limited, mostly lower-tier prescriptions will pay somewhere around $13, maybe as much as $20 a month. So who would that, how, who, the high-end range there, who would that maybe apply to? That would, in my or, opinion, or, in my opinion uh, it doesn't apply to anybody. Okay. All right. Now, that said, there used to be a prescription that this plan treated better than any other plan. It's called Prolia. Okay. Now, I couldn't find that to be the case this year. I really don't know. I would. I just think that you need to tailor fit these things. And, I, and yeah, and you mentioned this earlier, and I think that's a good point to just reiterate that I know when you work with somebody, you said that's where you start the process, right? Is you ask them, what are your prescriptions? Absolutely. Because, that, because it is such a wide range of coverages, and you need to try to fit them into where they should be. We want to define that. Yeah. And sometimes when we're doing the math to decide whether somebody's better off on their own corporate plan relative to Medicare... The prescriptions are the deal breaker because I think at this point I can state pretty much universally that Medicare does not treat prescriptions as richly, as well, if you will, as a commercial plan. Mm -hmm. Okay, when they passed the Part D piece of Medicare back in 2006, they did not allow for the negotiation of prices with the drug companies. And as a result, now that's changing a bit now. There's been some legislation recently that's going to help. But that help will come over a period of years. Right now, I think it's still fair to say that you could probably do better on prescriptions on a corporate plan. But we don't know that until we do the analysis. And then we can say, okay, you're you're better served. And I tell them that. You're going to be better served to stay on your company plan because your prescriptions are going to cost you this or that. And I send them a report. I send them a report and so they can see these are the prescriptions that I take. This is how much they're going to cost under Medicare. And I need to either be prepared for that now or when I subsequently retire. Yeah, and I think that's analysis that most people are not capable of doing on their own. Most people. I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that. Yeah. That's a statement. That's a fair statement. I put myself in that. You already mentioned about the medical doctor, the CPA, the engineer, and I consider myself an intelligent person. And right. I would put myself in that camp that it's just, there's just so many options and it's yeah. just, it's that's, overwhelming. That's the problem. Yeah. Too many options. Yeah. So looking again at an advantage plan and a supplement plan. So on the advantage plan, you've got a network or you've got a PPO where you have a larger access to doctors, but it's not as large an access as a supplement. A supplement plan gives you by far and away access to doctors. A lot of my clients have, um, Houses in usually Florida, not Arizona. Arizona is a different one, but a lot of them have houses in Arizona, Florida. Yeah. And some people actually live there now. They become residents of Florida. Even though they spend six months in a day, they come back here for six months minus a day for tax purposes. So the supplement works really well for them 
because remember, any doctor in the country has to take a supplement plan. So that concludes Florida, whereas most of the, none of the HMOs really will cover you in Florida. Some of the PPOs will give you some coverage in Florida, but it's not the access to doctors that you get on a supplement plan. And that's really what I wanted. I needed it, I felt. Yeah, I'm... I guess I, I would put myself in your shoes. I would want to make sure that I've got one of the most, the best coverages I can get, even if that means yeah. I pay more on a monthly basis, but at yeah. least I know what I'm paying yeah. and I don't have as many surprises, right. like surprises. So we, I mentioned earlier that the difference between my premium and my wife's premium over the period of time that we've been on Medicare is about a t- 20,000 differential. But, and I haven't been to the hospital in that entire time. So we could argue that I've overpaid. But what I would suggest that what it did give me and continues to give me is peace of mind. Yeah, agreed. Because of that experience, I want to make sure that I have access to whatever in terms of specialty care in Boston should I need it. And thankfully, knock on wood, I haven't needed it. My wife, thank again, knock on wood, hasn't needed access to specialists. And as a result of that, she's perfectly well served on her supplement plan. She would probably be perfectly well served even if she did need a supplement. But I can tell you that when my wife develops something chronic, if she should develop something chronic and require more constant care than what is currently required, that fall when we can switch her, I will switch her to a supplement. Yeah, and I don't think, yeah, I don't know that we've talked about that specifically about open enrollment. We talked about that is coming up, but that's a time when you can, so every once a year, you can change your plan. You can change. I always advise people most especially to look, if they're on a supplement plan, look at your drug plan. Okay, so the supplement plan, especially if you're new to it in the last couple of years, you're still getting a discount. Probably don't want to change that. But your drug plan is a different story. And the reason for that is that the drug companies will change their formularies from year to year. Formularies is a list of covered drugs. So somebody might be taking a prescription that this year is costing them, say, a $2 copay. Then now the drug plan, for whatever reason, changes it to a tier three. And that reason could be we want to make more profit out of this drug. A lot of people changing it to a tier three. Now, all of a sudden, they don't check their drug plan at the end of the year when they can. They go to the pharmacy in January and they are surprised to learn that relatively inexpensive prescription now is costing them substantially more, but now they can't change it. They've, the Medicare open enrollment ends December 7th. Most of us realize that's Pearl Harbor Day because we were born back in the day. Kids today don't know that. I'm specifically talking to my daughter if she's listening. And how how old is she? She is, uh, I can't disclose that. Okay, okay, fine. She may not be happy with me. Okay, fine. Yeah, so so basically open enrollment is October 15 through the December 7th. Through December 7th. So we can start talking about 2023 plans today, but we can't sign people up on them until October 15th. We have a caller. We have John in Marshfield. Hello, John. Hey, how are you guys doing this morning? Good, Great. how are you? We are, my wife and I are customers of McNamara. Oh boy, I don't even know if so you can, can say that. Yeah. Huh? I said, I don't even know if you can say that, but thank you. Oh, I take it back then. Okay, yeah, forget <laughs> it. And yep. Peter, yeah, okay, we don't say that. Strike that. And Peter, we are also customers of yours. You and your assistant directed us into a into the healthcare, United Healthcare that we are currently using. 
But I had a question for. But I had a question for you. Sure. And rather than call um, me on I the did, telephone, you decided to do it over the radio. No, because you actually hit on something. Okay. You hit on something. I'm kidding, John. I, I'm kidding. I know you are. I know you are. I know you are. I had a question for you that you hit on something with regards to dental. Okay. Now we currently go to a local dentist that is out of network, does not accept Medicare. Okay. okay? All right. Under the plan, you had mentioned, and we have the paperwork that says we can do up to $1,000. There's up to $1,000 that is eligible, or they co there's $1,000 in coverage for dental, correct? Okay, yep. Okay, now, the dentist that we go to have has a self-insured policy, so to speak, where if you sign up for their policy, you can get discounted, you get cleanings and discounted services. Okay. Now, my question is, I pay, there is a one-time fee that both my wife and I pay once a year, and it's $350 or something like that. All right. Now, can that be, if once we pay that bill, can that receipt because that would be out of network, I believe you, you would refer to it as. Once we get that bill and pay it, can that be submitted somewhere where we would be reimbursed? Yes. Because it would yes. fall under the 300. Okay. And how do we do that? You get a copy of the bill. You right. submit it to whatever carrier. I don't want you to say the carrier's name over okay, the Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I'm um, sorry. Okay. And and I also would like you to call Susan because okay. I want her to give you the specifics. Okay. Okay. Right. Now you can, I don't, do you have her number? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. We have Susan. Can you give it to us one more time? I could, but, I, but I don't remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you have a new phone. You don't even remember your current but, phone number, uh, right? Yeah. See, <laughs> everybody's got a new number as of today. Uh -huh. And okay. so I don't have it printed anywhere. I don't have okay. it written down. But send me an email. Okay. Okay, and I'll send you her new number. Okay. All right, that would be fine. So you're saying that they would, in fact, reimburse both of us for that amount? Yeah, the, yeah, absolutely. The, you've, in, you've incurred the charge. They'll reimburse right. you up to $1,000. Okay. All right. And do we have his email? I'll, I'll give it to you. I can do that okay. over. I can do that over the. Over the okay. All right. Yeah. So, okay. Go ahead. So my email address is p stoner p is in Peter. N e r. Yeah. Yeah. P stoner medicare dot com. That's stonermedicare dot com. Okay, that's good. So uh, that is fully reimbursable then. It is. Even though they're out of net network. It is. Okay. All right. Perfect. Very good. There are well, special. There are special deals if they're in network. But uh -huh. it's reimbursable out of network. Okay. All right. It is reimbursable. Now, usually in that particular situation, how soon after you submit the bill, would they presume they send you a check? Is that it? They send you a check. Okay. All right. So all I got to do is go to the dental and get the invoice. Exactly. And Susan will help you with the specifics. Okay. You there, John? I don't know. All right. Thank 
Thanks for the call, John. Good question. All right, Peter, I don't know where we were there. I was going to start on the uh, prescription drug coverage okay. and how it works. Right. Because we thought that everything was a maze before this. It gets even more so we're now. We're deeper. Now, now we're, it's the labyrinth. We're deeper yeah. into the maze okay. for sure with right. prescription drug coverage. Okay. So prescription drug coverage with your commercial plans have a defined copayment per prescription that is the same throughout the year. Okay, so if you pay $15 for whatever in January, you're paying the same $15 in December. So everybody's been accustomed to that. They've had that sort of a setup for virtually their entire working career. Then they get to Medicare and it's, oh my God, what's going on here? Because there's four stages to prescription drug coverage. The first stage is a deductible. So you're not accustomed to paying a deductible with prescriptions. You do pay a deductible for prescriptions on most of the drug plans, but not all of the prescriptions trigger that deductible. So I'll give you an example. I'm lost already. Okay, so (laughs) I I have a particular drug plan. I told you that the premium this year was $7.40. I have the two prescriptions that I already mentioned, neither of which is a tier three drug. So it's the tier three, four, and five drugs, your more expensive brand name drugs, that will trigger the $480 deductible that I currently have this year. So my two tier one generics don't do that. So I pay a dollar a month for my prescriptions. And if I were to be responsible for that deductible, I'd have to pay that $480. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, I'll give you an example. I went to the doctor, gave me a prescription for a rash. I had a rash on my hands. I went to the pharmacy, and they wanted over $400 for that, that rash cream. And I didn't want to pay it. What was happening is it was a tier three, it was considered a tier three drug, so it was triggering the deductible. And what I found out later was that the active ingredient was hydrochlorazone. So what I did instead is I bought a tube of hydrochlorazone for under $10, and I got rid of my rash in four days. You need to be careful, and you need to look at different sources sometimes. I look at sources like GoodRx for people. I look at sources like Canadian Mail Order for people. And what the reason I do that is and I'm trying to circumvent the triggering of the deductible for some people. I'm also trying to circumvent the entering of the coverage gap for others, and I'm going to get to the coverage gap. So once you pay the deductible, or in my case, you don't because they don't trigger the deductible, you're then in the initial coverage phase of the prescriptions. Now, the initial coverage phase is the same as what you've been accustomed to at work. It's a standard copay. You pay the same thing every month. However, if during that time the retail cost of your prescriptions accumulates to the point this year where it gets to $4,430, then you enter what's known as the coverage gap. used to be called the donut (laughs) hole. Now, the coverage gap is different because now you're no longer paying a set copay now you're paying 25% of the actual retail cost. Of the retail, which could be a big number. And the retail cost can be a big number. Yeah. So, you know, 25% of a big number still can be a big number. Yeah. So that's what people want to avoid. They want to avoid the coverage gap. There are strategies that help with that. You should know that only a third of the people nationally hit the coverage gap. So that means two-thirds of them don't. 
But that's not reassuring if you're one of the third that hits the coverage gap because that's when it can get expensive. And the fourth stage of Medicare is catastrophic coverage. And this is when your out-of-pocket costs, now it's your out-of-pocket costs. We're not talking retail costs anymore. This is what you've spent out of your pocket reaches this year $7,050. Now you are you only have to pay 5% of the of the of the cost of the prescription. $7,500 just on prescriptions. It's actually I'm sorry, $7,050. $7,050 on, on prescriptions. Just on prescriptions. Just on prescriptions. Okay, so now you add you into catastrophic care. You pay actually it's 5% or $3.70 for generics or $9.20 for brand names, whichever is greater. I always say 5% because the 5% is always greater. When you're talking about a a prescription that has a big number associated with it, that's not going to be $3.70. It's not going to be $9.20. It's going to be that 5% that could be substantially higher. So that's the other side of the donut? That's the other side of the donut hole. Okay. And then January 1st of the following year, that all starts over again. You start biting at the donut again. Again, yes. So the strategy is you look at it in the fall to see, okay, how is this going to play out in the next year? Is there a prescription plan that's going to treat me better than the one I'm on now? Is the one I'm on right now the right plan for me next year? I think it sometimes is reassuring just to hear, yeah, yes, it is. That's the right plan for you. You ought to stay on it. And I find that people who don't look at their prescription coverage sometimes get a rude awakening the first time they fill that prescription the following year. So so come this time of year, when we get into October and we get into the open enrollment, those those prescription prices for next year are, that's a known quantity? It is. It should, in fact, be known today. Okay. I looked yesterday and I I didn't have access to 2023. When I go back to my office today, which I've already told you is my home, Yes. I should be able to see those figures. So as of October 1st, basically the 2023 prescription prices will be common knowledge or public knowledge. Yes. Okay. So all Medicare Advantage information will be available today. The supplement is not a Medicare Advantage plan. So sometimes I don't find out what those premiums are going to be until the middle of October. I already know some of them. I don't know them all. And so that comes in drips and draps. But your Medicare Advantage plans and your Part D plans, that information is available today. Okay. All right. Okay. How much time do we have left? We've got about four or five minutes. Okay. So I'm going to recap the phases of Part D. So the first phase is the deductible. Again, your prescriptions may trigger that deductible. They may not. Second page is the second stage is the initial coverage period. That's the period where your copayments are stable, very much like you've always been accustomed to on your commercial plan. Third phase is the dreaded coverage gap because that's when now all of a sudden you're paying a percentage of the actual retail cost and your costs will spike at that point for sure. And then if you had a little over $7,000 out of your pocket as a result of those expenses, you're going to hit catastrophic care. Very few people hit catastrophic care. But there are some prescriptions 
that when people mention they take this or that, uh, I groan inwardly. I never groan out, outwardly. <laughs> But I groan inwardly That's because I know this is they're not going to, but I'm going to have to tell them. You, the, yeah, the buzzwords or which ones are in the, yeah, the different which, tiers. Which and, one yeah. triggers it? Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, there's 27 plans in Massachusetts this year. I'll find out how many will be in Massachusetts next year. Usually the number grows. Is that right? Yeah, a couple. If I had to guess, I'm guessing 29 plans. So not less confusing or... Typically not. Yeah, I mean, no. people, options are good, but, but a lot of options could be confusing. Yeah, I, and they are overwhelming, yeah. frankly, yeah. and that's what happens. And frankly, somebody mentioned earlier, I think it was John, that he got his Medicare and You book recently. I got mine yesterday as well. And it's, it is, it's overwhelming. So if you start thumbing through those pages, you typically get more confused. And as a result of that, when somebody calls me and they tell me, I've been studying this, I groan. as it's, oh boy, we're going to have to deal with things that are not just viable in Massachusetts, but elsewhere, because that's what this person is going to think. All right, so we have two or three minutes. So I'll just, I'm going to, yeah, we get two minutes. I'm going to mention the uh, the seminar one more time here. Yes. I will be hosting a webinar via Zoom with a featured speaker, Peter Stoner, who's joining us today to talk more about Medicare. That'll be on Thursday, October 20th at 6.30 p.m. So if you'd like to join us, you can register on our website, which is McNamaraFinancial.com, or you can call the office, 781 781- Eight three four two zero one zero. If you'd like to sign up for the webinar, so Peter Stoner has joined us today. Uh, so Peter, we just have a minute or so, but I'll give you one more opportunity if you'd like to give out your contact information okay. if somebody'd like to contact Great. you. So again, my name is Peter Stoner. My email address is pstonermedicare.com. Our website is stonermedicare.com. My telephone number is 781-431-7550. Thank you for your time today. All right. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, My name is Kirk Reed from McNamara Financial. Again, joined by Peter Stoner. We are going to sign off. Have a wonderful weekend. 